Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Talofa and welcome to the world in sport. I'm Vinny Wiley. This week. Last year was, uh, we had the national team playing in the PM13 and uh, Pacific Test in uh, Australia. This year we're looking to um, actually get our women back to play competition. Fiji National Rugby League aims to revive its women's domestic competition. PNG's top cricketers remain upbeat despite the likely postponement of the T20 World Cup and two American rugby internationals join the board of Pacific Rugby Players Welfare. But first, the Oceania Weightlifting Institute has closed its doors after more than 18 years operating in the Pacific, but plans are already underway to reopen the facility in Australia. Paul Coffer established the regional centre in Fiji in 2002 before moving to Samoa three years later and eventually to New Caledonia, where he's trained Pacific, Oceania and Commonwealth champions for the past 12 years. A veteran coach who was also General Secretary of the Oceania Weightlifting Federation was working with 14 lifters before the coronavirus brought everything to a halt. I had no intention of getting away from uh, from the Pacific uh, until uh, 2024. Uh, I had to go back home sooner or later, but my children there too and, and all. But uh, I gave myself another four years until the, the Olympic Games in uh, Paris and then I said I'll go back. But because nobody knew what was going to happen. In January, February of this year, it all started, and by April, every country wanted their athletes and their citizens back home, and uh, and that was the end of the institute. We had to close it. There was no point staying there, my wife and I, and uh, Eileen Chikamatana, who is now Australian citizen. So we waited until everybody left, and here we are now. Uh, we stay seven uh, seven weeks uh, on the solitary there at the institute. We couldn't move, and uh, when we got the plane the last uh, two weeks ago, it was uh, was something special. We had to get out, and we closed the institute. After 26 years, we packed up our bags and back home again, and we start all over again. How many lifters did you have? living with you at the Institute at the start of this year, before everything sort of took off? We had about 14 lifters, 14. We didn't want more than that. In the past, we've had 20, 21, but it's too many. So we're concentrating on 14 lifters, 15 lifters maximum. And uh, But, of course, uh, Papua New Guinea wanted them back, and so did Kiribati and uh, Tuvalu and Solomon Island and New Zealand. So everybody in Nauru, everybody went back. And I had to wait until everyone left. I wasn't prepared to leave until every lifter left New Caledonia. And once they left, we packed, and we had to wait seven weeks for the flight between Yumea and uh, Sydney. And here we are now, in isolation. And for the lifters that did live in the Institute and trained under you there for, for a number of years, I mean, uh, the funding to be able to do that, where were they getting that from? Well, they were getting the funds from the International Olympic Committee under the Olympic Solidarity. Some of the athletes were funded by 
their National Olympic Committee, uh, also in the, their federation. And um, once we start in uh, in Australia, those uh, those ones who are training with me in preparation for the Tokyo Olympics, they'll come back again. But uh, I won't recruit. I will just look after the lifters that they were at the institute, and they will come back here again, possibly by the end of the year, uh, earlier next year, in uh, whatever place, whether it's um, Canberra or Melbourne or Sydney. I haven't decided yet. I'll go back home. I'll take a bit of time off. I'll spend a bit of time with my family and then uh, make a decision where we're going to re-establish the Institute. And I suppose one thing, Paul, that you've definitely shown with this Institute over the years is, you know, you, you talk about in, in the newsletter when you first ventured over to Nauru having achieved all you could achieve really in, in Australia. You know, you spent, what was it, seven years there then to Fiji, then Samoa, then to New Caledonia. So going back to Australia full circle in some ways is it's almost fitting in a way. I'm looking forward to, really I am, because, you know, spending, uh, I was a coach of the Australian team from 79 to uh, 94. We dominated uh, the Commonwealth and we were a top team in the world. Seeing weightlifting has gone down a little bit in Australia, or quite a bit actually, uh, due to the Pacific lifters, I mean, um, Pacific lifters some more, um, Nauru, um, Papua New Guinea, Solomon Island, all of these countries really um, took on uh, a few years ago and destroyed New Zealand and Australia. Really, they did. There were times where during the Oceanian Championships, uh, Australia was lucky to win uh, one of the 10 divisions. It would be really a, a challenge now coming back to Australia and try and build um, the team to world standard again. I'll be very happy to get involved. And, of course, having Eileen Chikamatana there, so you're starting with a, a world record a lifter, uh, a lifter that has set four world junior records and uh, ranking number one in the world in the 81 kilos. No one, but no one in the history of the sport in Australia or the Pacific has ever had I, I lift that ranking number one in the world. And we do have one now, right now. So and she's only 20 years old. So she's going to really push Australia away, lifting to the top again. And prior to the Commonwealth Games, we will have a very strong team. And I will continue assisting the lifters who were in uh, in Yumea, who were training there with us. If they're coming down, they will be training with me and I'll push him to the top also, there's no question. That's the director of the Oceania Weightlifting Institute, Paul Coffer. Fiji National Rugby League is finalising plans to stage a women's domestic competition for the first time in three years. Acting Chief Executive Officer Don Natamba is hopeful a new competition will boost playing numbers. 2017 was the last time we had that competition. In the lapse of two years, and last year was uh, we had a national team playing in the PM13 and uh, Pacific Test in uh, Australia. This year we're looking to um, actually get our women back to play competition. Uh, we're looking at uh, an option pre-COVID-19 to have the women uh, run uh, parallel to the um, men's competition. But that has been affected and uh, also due to some uh, funding setbacks. We've really had to relook at what viable model uh, uh, we'll get the game back on for the women. 
How many teams were there in the women's competition three years ago and how many teams would you anticipate could potentially take part in 2020? We had six teams uh, three years ago and those were regional teams or, or zones. They were playing in, in inter-zone. Uh, this year we intended to um, take a step further and introduce it at Clubland in Fiji. So we have uh, over 25 clubs in Fiji. But the, the perception, we're, we're trying to get more women to participate in uh, male-dominated sports, and I think that's one of the challenges as well, uh, apart from funding. Uh, so we're looking at a soft, a soft launch for the women's uh, competition in Clubland. We're looking at six teams uh, in the east uh, region of Fiji and the other six teams in the western region. But that was the initial plan for this year that has been affected. And we're looking at what model could be viable for the women's competition, especially with funding setbacks. Sure. So, uh, so we're, look, we're, look, we're really looking at that interzone option or maybe play uh, a set of origin cup for uh, the women. Sure, and uh, you, you touched on the uh, Bulikula last year with their success against uh, Papua New Guinea and Sydney, and of course uh, a lot of people were understandably disappointed they didn't... Uh, they weren't uh, offered a place at the Women's Rugby League World Cup, which is due to be held next year. So with the success of that Bully Kula team uh, and the success at the Pacific Games last year in Samoa too in the Nines, I guess uh, that's no doubt been a good advocate for Women's Rugby League in Fiji, and I suppose that's something you would want to be able to build from and, and capitalise on. Definitely. We have a, a good presence in terms of women who are playing in Australian competitions and in the NRL women. Since after we launched the first ever women's competition in Fiji, then the rugby union started there. Uh, I think the LAPS has given rugby union uh, the leeway to have more uh, women participating in rugby union. But for us to build from last year's achievement, we're looking at organizing more international games. And I know we're not in the rugby league World Cup for the women's category, but we have expressed our interest to join the Emerging Nations World Cup. Uh, that too could be affected given that some of the nations have pulled out from that Imagine Nations World Cup. So uh, we'll, we'll also look at exploring an option to play an international test and continue to uh, contribute to the international rankings for women. And what have been the sort of discussions, Don? Obviously the international calendar very uncertain in a general sense at the moment. The, the Oceania Cup and the June tests obviously aren't happening. Um, I know there's still hope that some of the games later on in this year leading into, of course, next year's Men's and Women's World Cups uh, can still go ahead. What sort of um, feedback have you guys been getting from the International Rugby League in terms of you know, the prospect for matches this year? You know, the NRL sets the pace for International Rugby League and I think from at the Asia-Pacific Rugby League level, I know the team at the Asia-Pacific Rugby League are working together with the NRL to see this the feasibility of having an international window at the end of uh, the NRL season. But otherwise, uh, the prospects for 2021 uh, are better than that of uh, having tests this year. And in terms of Fiji, is is uh, Adrian Val still the Bully Kuller coach and, and Brandon's obviously still in Fiji working with the men? Yes, uh, we're keeping all of our staff as they are. My agent coach at uh, you know the Fiji Bulikola head coach position and Brendan Costin who here who's here with us for the Fiji Bati. That's Fiji National Rugby League acting CEO Don Natambe. Papua New Guinea's cricketers are counting down their return to the crease following the end of the country's COVID-19 state of emergency. The Barramundis and Lewis have spent the past few months keeping fit in isolation. But since last week, they've been able to train together again as a big group. 
While the fate of the international cricket season remains in limbo, Barramundi's coach Joe Dawes says the domestic season is about to get busy. So in July we're going to have our two domestic competitions. So the CPNG Smash has been running for the last couple of years. It's just a rebrand of the Hebrew Shield, but the four franchises and it's grown in interest and, and excitement each year. So we're running that again. And this year we're also running a new competition, which is our what we call the Izuzu National Cup, which is a 50-over competition. With our ODI, just really trying to improve our performances in 50-over cricket very, makes it very hard for the local players when there's no 50-over cricket played here. So we've created a 50-over comp. And some businesses and Izuzu have got on board, which is fantastic for us. You know, we're looking to roll that out with three teams and, and getting some 50-over cricket into our guys for the, to help improve our performances in Cricket World League 2. Indeed, and I suppose you know the T20 World Cup scheduled to begin in October, as you say, probably a final decision being made next month on that. Um, you know, you said you're not overly optimistic on that, and would you expect the same in terms of the Cricket League Two in terms of for 2020? Or I think the World Cup's obviously a different thing because you're trying to, you know, Australia. We're trying to get 15 teams into the country. That will be uh, a major achievement with everything. When you read overnight that you know, in some parts of the world, there's still you know, I think I read Costa Rica, obviously hardly the World Cup, but parts of the world are still getting 10,000 new cases a day. You know, there's some parts of the world that haven't done what Australia and New Zealand have done, uh, and they're still battling this horrible thing. So I, I think that'll be a big ask, but it is only June and October and November, a long time away. had conversations overnight. We've got a tournament in September that was in Namibia. Namibia is still holding hopes that that may go ahead, which would be exciting, and then... Where we need to obviously reschedule our one that was set. We should be playing it now, basically, the one with um, Nepal and the UAE. But uh, I think the big hurdle is still going to be that cost of the 14 day isolation going into countries. Yeah, in terms of the World Cup, obviously that was going to be historic. It was the excitement. It is the World Cup. And of course, for, for PNG, it was a first. So, how do you sort of look at that? Do you sort of think, well, it'll happen when it happens, kind of thing? or? I don't think there's any other way to look at it. At the end of the day, you could beat yourself up trying to come up with a thousand different um, possibilities. But at the end of the day, you know it'll happen when it happens. You and I can't make that decision. It's way above our pay grade, so we'll just wait and see when we're told. And whenever that comes, we will make sure we're prepared. And you know, I guess we see also. I think the other way we're, we're looking at it, or I'm looking at it, is well, if we get an extra four months or twelve months or whatever it might be to prepare, well, that would just mean that we can go into that tournament in an even better position than we are would do in October and November. That's the PNG men's cricket coach Joe Dawes. Two former USA internationals have joined the board of Pacific Rugby Players Welfare as the number of Pacific Islanders applying their trade stateside continues to grow. Seattle Seawolves teammates Shalom Suniola and Andrew Juritalo have represented the US in both sevens and fifteens. With Suniula born in American Samoa, while New York-born flanker Juritalo is a former Fiji under-20s international. The league is growing here. We just want to make sure we grow with it, right? And uh, the one word that comes to mind when we first started engaging with Dan, and, 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 and Dan was just you know, asking questions about the league and the growth uh, over here, and the one word that came to mind was just awareness. If there was one thing that um, you know, we could pass on to the up-and-coming Polynesians, uh, as more opportunities start to surface, would be you know just awareness of the resources available, and it's going to be tough along the way. And you know the higher you get, the tougher it usually gets. And just making sure that there's resources available and they know about it, if that makes sense, right from the grassroots levels at the pathways, 
Uh, pathway here is tough to talk about America because geographically it's so huge. It ain't clear cut, and they're still figuring that out now. But for the most part, it's it's easy to get lost if the, and and uh, to fall off, so to speak, if they're just not sure of the support mechanisms that are around them. The US, I imagine, you have a bit more money behind you in terms of the national setup, but um, that sense of opportunity, that ability to play test matches on a regular basis against top nations, the you know wanting basically an even playing field with the New Zealands, with the Englands, with the whatnot. So I imagine that's a, a similar sort of issue that, that you guys would experience as well and everybody just wants that equal opportunity. Yeah, I mean, people always look at America and look at think about the economy, the largest economy. Yes, it is, but from where we are, we're still very, very much in the, in the infancy stage, right? And, and, and the commercial opportunities are there, uh, but there's a long way to go to get the infrastructure right, right? And um, uh, the money's not quite there, in fact. And uh, quite often I get approached by my colleagues and, and peers overseas about, hey, America, uh, the new league and whatnot, and, and there's just no money in it. I mean, to give an indication, it's no secret, the salary cap's only uh, half a million, and you're supposed to spread that across. So we're very much in the in the uh, uh, part-time, you know, in, in, in part-time phase of, of, of uh, professionalism in America, right? Guys, the locals are still holding a, a job uh, to offset the salary cap. And that comes with uh, the schedule. So I always say, you know, professionalism is a behavior, but money drives schedule at the end of the day. (laughs) Um, So, you know, and how that compares to tier one nations, yeah, I mean, money, you know, once uh, once we have that foundation set, uh, the MLR will definitely help the national teams, including our our friends up in Canada. Um, The better we can get, the better our our, uh, domestic competition gets, you can guarantee that more quality of rugby locals are playing. Um, therefore, the quality of, uh, uh, of international camps and then, you know, hopefully it reflects it during the test matches. Um, that being said, you know, there's, there's a whole other animal to tackle in terms of the quality of test matches we're getting as Tier 2 nations, as you alluded to. So all that's actually getting uh, looked after. I, I sit on the board with USA Rugby as well, so it's, 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 we're addressing those challenges um, to make sure we get better representation in terms of what we as a high-performance program, what, where we want to get to and how we are going to achieve these goals. But yeah, you're right. Uh, a better domestic competition, you know, broadcasting deals, all of that has got to do with it. Um, and to increase the salary cap, uh, get quality foreigners over here. Uh, to, to to hopefully the, the the salary cap reflects you know their experience here. And uh, yeah, hopefully one day we can uh, take on Tier One nations at the international level. That's former USA Rugby internationals Shalom Suniola and Andrew Juratalo. And that's the World in Sport for this week. I'm Vinnie Wiley. Thank you very much for listening. For more, head to our website, rnzi.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.